Fishing Stories is brought to you by Rep Your Water. For those of you who don't know, we are the co-founders of Rep Your Water, a design-driven apparel company dedicated to providing high-quality gear for anglers everywhere. My current favorite piece in the line is our retro camo merino blend sun hoodie. It breathes incredibly well, blocks the sun on hot days, and is also a perfect face layer. And you drew the camo pattern yourself, which makes it even more unique. Ah, that's right. <laughs> I'm always going to pick our merino socks as my favorite. We have a nice variety of options for styles, and they are excellent for all seasons. Check out the full collection at www.repyourwater.com. I'm Garrison Doctor. And I'm Corinne Doctor. And this is Fishing Stories. And welcome back to Tales from the Seychelles. That's right. This is sort of part two of two, so if you haven't listened to last week's episode, we recommend you do. Yeah, so go back, listen to our episode about Alphons, and today, just to catch you back up where you left off, we were waiting for our hosted group of four friends, four of our guys who were coming in to meet us, pick us up at Alphons, and then all six of us headed out to Asto Atoll for a full week of fishing. That's right. So just to set the stage a little bit, you know, we're talking about the Seychelles in the middle of the Indian Ocean here. And the main island of Mahe is a bit further north. And so we, we flew in there, obviously, on our international flight, connected through Alphonse. That was the episode last week. Had some fishing there. And then flew south down towards Madagascar to a stove atoll. It's about what, another hour or so flight. Yeah, I think it's just over an hour. Just over an hour. And this little atoll is such an amazing special place but it is wild it's the most rugged place i think i've ever been it's yeah it's it's wild i mean it's a lot of um degraded coral um that's very sharp and rugged um there are some beaches but this is not as much of a like white sand beach resort this is like it's It's spectacular and scenic but also a little bit harsh and wild yeah i mean if you don't like fishing and you just want like a beach vacation this is not the place go to alphonse correct yeah (laughs) it's hotter it's buggier yeah it's craggier it's sharper it's brighter yeah like it's so close to the equator it would I was amazed at the difference between the two. And we had a couple of people who had fished a stove that we met at Alphonse and they're like, oh, wow, yeah, no, it's it's a crazy place. I've never been anywhere like that. And you're kind of like, okay, yeah, but this is a crazy place. And then you get there. It's hard to describe. It is wild. Yeah, and, and there's not a ton of um, full-time staff or residents there. There are some full-time people that live there that maintain the airstrip. And do some conservation work and some scientific work. And then there's the lodge where we stayed, the Coral House, um, which is very comfortable. It is so cute, the Coral House. Yeah, it's great. It has a little interior courtyard, really nice AC'd room. So let's be clear, we're not roughing it too bad. Oh, gosh, no, don't feel too bad for us. But And the food was amazing. Yeah, shout out to Shange, who was our chef, and Dylan, who was the pastry chef. Yes. They crushed it every night but it is wild this is like a classic ring atoll with a central lagoon 
big central shallow lagoon and one um, channel that feeds the lagoon in and out to the open ocean. And because it's just this one channel that feeds this whole lagoon, uh, it pushes a lot of water on big tides in and out of the lagoon. So we timed this trip to be there on a full moon cycle to stack up water into that interior lagoon, which does some really interesting things to the fishery. And it also pulls those big tides pull water off of the exterior island flats so that they're a really nice, like knee deep ish. Yeah. Uh, weightable level, because if you don't have a big tide to pull off, a lot of that water off they're not weightable flats yeah and you just have to go to a high point and wait for fish to come which is more challenging it happens it does happen definitely happens it can happen but the surf walks is what makes astove astove yeah and i think the thing that makes astove astove to your point are those surf walks and that interior lagoon the interior lagoon is filled with this sort of um fine sand silt that's almost like glacial flour Mm -hmm. that turns the water this incredible like surreal turquoise blue and when it's shallow it's just like milky white yeah and you can still see bonefish yep you gotta look for the shadow yeah little (laughs) it's not necessarily easy but you can still spot fish so there's still some clarity uh, but you have some of that glacial kind of feel to it But then walking the exterior flats, which is what you do, um, is so incredible to be on foot. And unlike Alphonse, where most of your day is kind of skiff-based, and as we understand a lot at Cosmo and Farquhar and any of these other atolls where you have a huge interior lagoon, you spend a lot of time skiff-based. At a stove, you spend a lot of time walking. You spend a lot of time on your feet. And we were told like, oh yeah, you want to be in good shape. Like you don't want to have a bum knee and go to a stove because you're going to miss out on the fishing. Right. And so we did make a point to kind of like get ourselves in shape. We brought a really fit group with us, which I think the guides were fired up about. They were stoked. Yeah. So they normally only fish four people at a stove because it's small. I mean, I am probably incorrect, but I think it's only three kilometers by five kilometers. I think that's maybe even big, but it's right in there. But it's super small. So to give people like enough room to do a full walk, especially if the tides aren't high, like when we were there, you want a smaller group. But we had six really able-bodied anglers and we touched every fishable spot on that atoll. And I think the guides were pretty fired up. Yeah. But on good tides, like we had when the flats are fishable and we also were lucky um, not in terms of the heat or the bugs, but in terms of the fishing, it was really calm. Yeah, the winds were really favorable. It was really calm, so we did not have like a windy side of the island, and the tides were great, so like it didn't seem tight at all. Oh, I no. mean, we walked some days how far? Well, our longest day was 12 kilometers in the water. Right, and we didn't see our other guys. No, we didn't. So plenty of room to work around the edges there. Um, But I will say it's hard work. It's a tough game to play to cast at GTs while you're on foot waiting in the surf flats. But when it happens, holy shit, is it worth it? It's crazy. I mean, 
there is also a lot to kind of play around with, just like we talked about at Alphonse, there's bonefish and there's also the bycatch of the emperors and the little groupers or the not so little groupers. Um, so we definitely messed around with some other fish other than GTs, but getting your eyes tuned in to looking for a ray, a big black ray, and checking that ray to see, is there a fish right on his back? Like, is, is that a fish? Oh, yep, that's a fish. That might be two fish. You know, kind of playing that game. Luckily, the guides are so good, and they know, oh, well, that's just a bunch of bluefin trevally. Do you want to catch them? Sure, cast at it. It'll actually be good practice. For yeah. exactly what we were talking about last time, don't get way too close. Do not get too close. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So these GTs love to sit on top of rays when they come up on the flat, right? Because as you mentioned, the rays scare stuff. They spook things off of the flats, little fish, do 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 do. And so these GTs come off and just feast. But the really cool thing is when you find a GT that's on a ray, first of all, it's there because it's feeding. It's right. not there to just like hang out for a cruise. Like if it's sitting on top of a ray, it's looking to eat. So that's good. Yep. The other thing is that a ray moves across this flat much slower than a free swimming GT. Because we also cast and caught free swimming GTs that right. weren't on rays at all, right? But you got to really move to get in front or around or even get a cast in the vicinity sometimes of a free swimming GT because they'll cruise quick. But when they're on a ray, well, they're tied to the speed of the ray. Usually, although I had one that was like, the ray was like surfing a wave. So it was sure. like the speed of the ray plus the surfing of the wave and then the GTs on it. And it was one of those that I've heard about where you are chasing yes. it down to get within casting range. Yes. And because this is an audio experience and not a visual experience, I'm only 5'3", and I was already in waist-deep water, and then I was trying to chase down this GT. Let's just say that one got away. Well, it was worth an effort. I really churned and burned as much as I could, but I was nowhere <laughs> near that fish. This is a classic Garrison quote to Corinne when we're fishing anywhere. Churn and burn! <laughs> Another one of my favorite things about gts when they're sitting on rays is that the south african guides and all of our guides were south african we need to talk about them in a little bit but they like to call them kingies on stingies yeah because they're kingfish a gt a giant trevally is called a kingfish in south africa which you know here in the states a kingfish is a king mackerel right right <laughs> and so it's a little confusing but, but they like to call them kingies and then obviously they're on massive stingrays so it's Kingies on stingies. It's great. Which then just became one of my favorite things yeah. to say and or talk about is exactly. kingies on stingies. Yeah. Yeah. And let's be honest, kingies on stingies is the best game in town. It's the most fun. Yeah. And so we touched on this a little bit last episode, but when you see a GT on a ray, it's not necessarily moving super fast. And the temptation is to sort of lead the direction of the fish and the ray cast in front and start stripping the fly off. But the temptation is to cast too close. Very, very tempting. And the crazy thing about GTs is that they are apex 
predators. They're so aggressive. They're nasty. They want to kill things when they get engaged. But if you slap a fly too close to them, they will shut down. Well, and that reminds me of a cool characteristic of bikinis is when they're on a big black ray because they follow a very specific type of stingray. Yeah, they'll, they'll follow a few, but the black ones are the best. The black ones are the best. Absolutely. And so then the GT turns black to kind of match. Right. Who knows if it's camouflage to match or what it has to do with. But visually, to the angler, it's a black fish on a black ray. Yeah. And if you offend that fish, it immediately turns back to the white turquoise and swims yeah. away. turns like aqua blue and it's out. Yeah. Like, just fascinating. It's so bizarre. So weird. Yeah. Lights but on. really what you want to do if you see this situation and you got a good kingy on a stingy is cast like 30 feet off over here. Maybe like the opposite way that the fish is facing. It's going to see the fly. Right. So really what you want to do is like, okay, watch the fish. It's facing right. Cast to the left 30 feet off because that fish did not see the fly hit the water. Right? It didn't see it's any facing reflection the other way. from the tippet right. or whatever. It didn't whatever. see the line. It didn't see anything. Okay. Flies in the water. And then you start moving it as fast as you can. At least some pretty fast, big, long strips. Yeah. The fish engages. You speed up. And then once they engage, they're fucking engaged. Yeah. Now, the way you're telling this story, it almost sounds like you got your GT skunk off. I <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Although I think the first fish that I caught was not on a stingy. It was That's a, okay. Yeah, it was a free swimming, you know, like a 65, 70 centimeter. That's a trip report fish. Okay. Trip report fish. Great. I mean, I just could not have been more thrilled to like. I could not have been more thrilled because being with a worked up garrison that hasn't caught the target species isn't the most fun fishing partner. It was getting dark for a minute there. Yeah, for the whole group. Okay. <laughs> we snapped out of it. And then we had fun again. And then we had fun. And we did get into quite a few. Yeah. Um, we did see, I mean, your best fish, I will always remember looking over and seeing you backpedaling. Yeah. Well, also, I caught the one on Alphonse and then... I only caught non-trip report GTs at a stove That's until true. this fish. That's true. I caught a ton of great bonefish and bycatch and some little GTs that don't count. And I have and a And I was long... starting to stack up some GTs at this Yeah, point. and I wasn't feeling bad for you anymore, no. to be clear. Nobody was. Fishing Stories is brought to you by Lock & Co. Whiskey. Distilled right here in Colorado and finished with hand-cut, charred Colorado Aspen wood discs. This whiskey is as unique as any trout stream. It has now won gold three times in the San Francisco World Spirits competition. You'll want to grab a bottle for your bar at home or to take on your next adventure. Check it out at your local liquor store or at lockandcodedistilling.com. Lock is spelled with an E. So then we were on this surf walk and just like eyes open all the time. You know, you're looking for the stingray, but also the free swimmers. Those are, those were harder for me to see. Yeah. Because, of course, they're moving faster, like you mentioned. Yeah. They aren't necessarily the jet black. Right. And oh, Most of the time, they're not. Yeah. And so you're just kind of cruising, looking. And then this was on our fifth fishing day. 
and out of nowhere on the inside of us. Very shallow. So very shallow. shallow. So you're outside. Yeah. Tyler, our guide, and I are in the middle. And Classic then... setup. Garrison's doing dumb things on the outside. Yeah, but you can go deeper. I yeah. think we mentioned that I have shorter legs than you. Correct. And so you're deeper. I'm kind of in like my ideal spot, kind of like mid-thigh walk. And then, of course, the shore is then all the way inside. And this stingray came in between me and the shore. And Tyler goes, there's a fish on there. And this ray was already pretty close by the time we saw it because we were all looking ahead and out. Yeah, Just based on what the tide was doing. Luckily, I had the right rod out already, fly in hand. I got a cast in exactly the right zone. It was maybe 20, 25 feet away from the fish. Great. Quick strip immediately. And that fish, it was jet black. Yeah. And it came out so fast. Yeah. And I was stripping, stripping immediately i had the leader quote unquote leader 130 pound yeah <laughs> mono in the guides yeah and i knew the rule having heard it that you just keep stripping this fish will sometimes we've heard stories of them biting the tip of the rod they right. keep coming so hard so i started kind of stepping back as tyler our guide was like step back yeah and so I started kind of using my body to help keep the fly moving as I was stripping. That fish ate so hard, set, turn, off it went. Yeah. And by the time we landed it, which was super quick, thank goodness for Tyler. Yeah. Uh, by the time we landed it, it was starting to turn turquoise, yeah. but it was still pretty dark. It had like dark edges yeah it was like tie-dyed i mean i'll never forget it because i was like 50 feet away on the outside as you mentioned but i you know saw you cast and strip and i'm watching this but i can't see anything in the water right like i'm far enough away like obviously i can't see the ray i can't see the fish i just see you casting and then i see you kind of running backwards but then GTs are so crazy. Like if they're going to eat off the surface or very close to, and when you're moving a streamer like this really fast. And it's a lightweight streamer. Yeah. It's unweighted. It just has a, the weight of the hook. Yeah. Right. So like it's barely under the surface. And so when they eat that, I mean, the whole top and eyes come out Eyeballs of the water. out. Yeah. And this thing was jet black full fucking head and eyes out of the water as it ate. And I was like, Oh my <laughs> God. That was a wild ride. That was epic. That was so much fun. So much. Fun. And that one next sort of step you want is the hundred centimeter, the one meter long fish, which would be amazing. We definitely saw some in the water. We did. Yeah. We can talk about that a little bit too, but I would argue there's a tier in between, even though it doesn't count as much. <laughs> that's like anything that's over 80 fights different yeah it's a different caliber and just like you were saying when they get that big they get so wide yeah you know i think that's part of it is the width of their head means that they can hold themselves right so much more or they can push so much more water and your fight against them is that much harder yeah totally we did see some really big fish i had three encounters that really stick in my brain. The first one was when you were casting to a trigger fish. This trigger fish and I 
This, he danced for a while. This trigger. <laughs> he looked at your fly every cast. Every cast. And he pinned it a couple of and casts. And he nibbled at it. But he was like, did he eat it? And then he wasn't there. I mean, it was tricky. So we're so focused. And our guide, Dean, is helping you with this trigger fish. And I'm right there too, watching the whole thing. At a certain point, we're all just kind of like giggling at how ridiculous this yeah, is. Yeah, we're like, what is this thing doing? And then I look to my left, and it was too close at this point. It was like, it was game it was over. basically biting our bootlegs. Yeah, it was like 12 feet away. But this GT was a huge, pale, you know, kind of camoed. I bet it was a big female. But it was so big, the only thing I said to Dean was, what the fuck is that? It didn't even register as the same thing we had been seeing. <laughs> and we all look over. And Dean loved it. He, the, the whole rest of the trip was like, remember the what the fuck is that fish? <laughs> we all will oh, never forget I'm that never fish. forgetting that fish. No. So that was one. I mean, I tried to throw a cast, but we were looking at each other in the eye at that point. I oh, mean, it, yeah. was, it was too late. The other one was I was on the outside, you know, on the reef edge. And sometimes in these breakers... The beautiful thing about having a perfectly calm spell of weather like we had at a stove is that unlike a lot of saltwater flat situations where if you have a perfect calm, it's really spooky. Yeah. Because you're fishing in the wave zone, there's always broken water. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't really affect anything. It's just that you don't have to deal with any wind. But then if you're looking out in the breakers, these rollers coming in on the reef flats, sometimes you can see GTs like stood up in the wave. So I'm always looking out there and I looked over and in front of me, going away from me was this thing that was like a bus. It was so big. And I was like, well, it's over. I mean, it's going away from me. I'll never catch up. But I had to try. Sure. So I started sort of hustling after it. And then the next wave that came in, I realized this thing wasn't going very fast at all. It was just kind of... Yeah. And some of these holding. big fish, we realized they will... They're not holding, but they'll just kind of slow roll mm -hmm. and slow cruise. And so I was like, holy shit, I might, have a, I might have a chance. And sure enough, I hustled and hustled. And moving through water like that, as you mentioned, is really difficult. I mean, even if it's only knee deep or thigh deep. You kind of go for 30 seconds and you're like, oh yeah, I can do it. And then after 30 seconds, you're like, your body's dead. Your lungs are I'm dead. roasted. Yeah. yeah. But I'm churning, I'm churning, I'm churning. And all of a sudden, okay, I'm in front of it and I see it and it's coming and the line is perfect. I can get a cast out in front of it. Here comes a wave. And the way you want to time this is you want to lay down your cast when there's some white water coming down. You won't spook the fish. Lay down a cast, big, long, slow strip. Just getting everything going and boom, came tight, set. And I was like, oh my God. No, it was a very nice honeycomb group. <laughs> they are also notorious. Oh, it was so brutal. Stuff. And then I just watched that fish ease See out. See you later. Yep. It probably never even saw the fly at that point. Probably not. If it moseyed that slowly. Probably could have eaten that honeycomb grouper. In one bite. One and that was a respectable honeycomb grouper. Yeah. Yeah. The other one, the third one was I, there's a part of a stove atoll on one side where the reef wall drops something like almost a thousand meters in a 
reef wall mm -hmm. off of the ledge. It's incredible. It's a storied reef wall, incredible place to dive, uh, which we'd love to do someday. Um, but I ended up wading out there at low tide and casting kind of around off the ledge, which is a really dumb thing to do because if you hook something there, yeah, you're kind of roasted. Angus and I were like off on our own little reef walk looking for kingies on stingies. Right. Garrison's like casting into the oblivion. Yeah, and I had a giant potato grouper blow up on my popper and he just missed it and left like a boil the size of a Volkswagen. And I was like, well, that would have been cool. Also, I had never seen that fly line again. No, gone. No. But I was out there and, you know, there was like 30 feet between me and the edge where this reef wall dropped. And I saw these two big GTs coming, but they were on the flat side of the edge. Cast out big bucktail thing on an Edo Gamu. And sure enough, this thing ate. But I knew if it got over the edge, it was over. It was done. So I just locked the line around my hand and around my back and started trying to like swim backward off of this coral I was on. And we just played tug of war for a while. And he bent out my Edo Gamu. Yeah. That was and it. from, you know, a significant ways away, I looked over and I saw your rod bent. I was like, Angus, we're going to have to work our way back over there, Garrison. I think gonna it need our ate help. in a place where it was in bone on its bottom jaw or something. Because it seemed like there was pressure on the point of the hook that it bent out. Yeah. Otherwise, if that it had been hook, at the bend of the hook, it would have. It shouldn't have yeah. done that. But also, at a certain point with GT fishing, it's really—I mean, it's one of the things I love about it. Something's going to break. Yeah. Your fly line's going to delam. One of your Kevlar loops is going to come undone. Yeah. I mean, that much pressure, like something's going to go. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, we mentioned how incredible this environment is, and I think we'd be kind of silly not to mention that we also had Keith Rosinus who runs this whole operation he runs alphonse fishing company um on the podcast i think it was season two yeah we had a two episode situation with keith and his second episode was him telling his exploratory right. stories from a stove and just like so many crazy things like running out of water and all of this other shenanigans but also catching huge GTs Massive. because to access these GTs and where they are and where they're going to eat, you can't be on a skiff. And so you can be sneaky. And I think that that is the incredible part of this. Battle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that people go to the Seychelles for GTs and that's definitely what we were doing. And we got into them. We had an amazing time. All of the guys on our trip. Yeah, I was going to say, everybody in our group got nice GTs. Got really nice GTs. But I think that we would be silly not to mention the bone fishing. Absolutely. I mean, what you do when you fly into a stove is they funnel you out into the lagoon and they're like, okay, here you go. If you want, you can uh, catch some bonefish. It's silly out there. I literally got the giggles, which is kind of my mo when when the fishing is just that entertaining uh, we you know waddled our way out into this lagoon not knowing anything about where we were we just kind of followed the guide's instructions because on day one you're not guided right you're just kind of like if you guys want to fish you can go otherwise like right. here's the coral house and you can hang out here and have a cocktail like way more fun to go out to the lagoon yeah we're gonna go fishing and so we 
started fishing that first day and I think I caught like five species. Yeah. Because we were not in sure the what lagoon. we were doing. Yeah, in the lagoon. Yeah. And, and all it I was, caught was bonefish. Garrison only caught bonefish. It took me like four different fish to catch a bonefish. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when the lagoon was on for bonefish, which it was a lot of the time when we were there, they would come at you in waves. And sometimes it was like, by the time you unhooked one, there was one to cast at. Yeah. And also these bonefish, you know, most of the ones in the lagoon are not massive. There's some some very respectable ones. There's some respectable ones, but there's a lot of little ones. Oh my God, are they dumb. <laughs> they see a fly. Okay, so does the fly matter? I don't think so. You throw a okay, fly. Okay, my hand-tied flies were well, absolutely no, it, the ticket. So it should be a Garrison Doctor hand-tied fly, but does the color matter? Does the <laughs> barred you. legs versus yeah. not barred legs? No, but no. yes, it should be a Garrison fly, obviously. <laughs> and so you throw the fly, and the fish is like, oh my God, is that a shrimp? Comes over, looks at it. You set the hook, you miss. In normal circumstances, that fish is a million miles because bonefish are so freaking yeah. fast. Well, no, that fish is kind of like, ah, I didn't like that. You throw it back at the same fish and it goes, oh my God, a shrimp. Comes back, eats it, you set properly, and then yeah. you catch that fish. Yeah, yeah incredible. Um, I really enjoyed the bone fishing more than I thought I would. And then, you know, it's worth mentioning too on the outside when you're fishing for gts and triggerfish the bonefish that you run into out there are all pretty big and really some big. of them are we didn't land any of the massive ones we landed some really nice ones but there are some schools out there where like there's a couple of them in the back where you're like holy shit is that a bonefish yeah, you'd be hooked up to the front one yeah and all of their buddies are kind of like what are you doing right. why are you swimming and then so you weird see those ones in the back and you're like oh my god that's like a is it 12 15 pound i mean it's i don't know it's over 10 pound bonefish i think it's insane the bone fishing was so much fun i um i always have like the why i need to go back story yeah and for me it's the trigger fish yeah. i mean the trigger fish i want to go back period of course however, however i always like to have my like when i go back yeah this is what i'm working on trigger, and it's a trigger fish, fish are so entertaining so entertaining i've so never annoying. met a fish <laughs> that was so offended so often when it saw your fly yeah. and i don't mean like oh i'm not gonna eat that like oh i see your fly and i'm leaving this flat like maybe this off island into the like deep i'm water. out like yeah. i hate this i'm offended i'll see you later. you are so rude for bringing yeah, that here bye-bye like, yeah or they're like that one we mentioned they're engaged all the time but they but eat. they're not eating properly they because eat. they have such annoying little mouths yeah they eat with their weird little tooth mouths <laughs> by pinning something on the bottom and trying to crush it right so you have to wait until this fish really goes like tail up pins your fly, has it in its mouth, and then you set. And that balance of when to actually set is an art form. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one that I really should have landed, I won't live down from myself. 
because I It had, was in a perfect spot. It was perfect. I actually hooked it, but I had my I had stepped into a loop of fly line. Yeah, it was around your leg. And I was so, trying to be helpful, but there was no But there hope. was nothing. I mean, really, in retrospect, here's what I should have done. Just laid down in the water. Yeah. Let that it come off because I could have kept it tight. Yeah. But who is thinking of that? Somebody would have needed to tell me that. Lay down. Yeah. Lay down. I got one Float away. very nice mustache trigger fish. Not a giant, but a respectable trigger. Um, it was just, I mean, it was just a great setup. Cast was good. Fly settled nicely. He was on it. I had just missed one that was like messing with it. So I had like a really good feel of like that's right what I wanted to feel. Like I didn't want to feel him just like nibble nibble nibbling at the tips. I wanted to feel him like pin it. Mm -hmm. And so I was very patient and he pinned it and I set and we nailed him. Yeah. Got him. That was exciting. And then you were up on the triggers and then it was tough. Yeah, no, I didn't land one. I hooked a couple. We gotta go back. Gotta go back. And for the record, for you permit nerds out there. Oh, yeah, the permits. We did see a lot of permit. They're Indo-Pacific permit. They're beautiful. Most of the time, they were squirrely and fast and unhappy. Yeah, they were not catchable permit for the most We part. had a few shots at, like, slower moving fish. I would say seemed... you and I each had one shot. Yeah. Each. It was. It was tough. Also, to be fair, we could have spent a lot more time chasing permit, but we didn't feel like we wanted to do that when there were GTs on flats. Yeah, it's really hard to leave the GT game. Kings on stingies, baby. But on the on the moments when the tides were hard for the surf walk. Yeah. And we were in the lagoon on a skiff. Yeah. We each had a shot at a permit. I had one and I felt like, I was like, this is yeah, the cast. You, you I was like, I them. crushed this. Yeah. Those yeah. fish. I also had nothing. one beautiful, like kind of big single that was actually happy and coming on the right line. And I had been fucking around with bonefish and I had a knot in my leader and Dean's never going to forgive me. No, you're never living that down, just yeah. to be clear. Um, before we wrap, we should mention our guides. Yeah, big shout out. Dean, Angus, and Tyler. Incredible. It was, these weeks are always so fun because it's such an intimate experience, but it was only six of us anglers and the three guides and then the two chefs that we already mentioned. It was such a wonderful group. It was so special. To and when be you have there. guides that can speak to the place to the birds, to the habits of these fish. And they then, were as nerded out on all of those things as we always are. And then still have the passion, the fire. They still care. I want my guy to be upset when it doesn't work out. You know why? Because he cares. He well, wants you to get them. They still heckle us for the things that we messed up. And this, Love was, that. this was now five months ago. Love that. And I think it'll probably continue. Yeah. yeah. So... Look up, if you have the means or the opportunity at any point, Alphonse Fishing Company, I mean, we can't recommend it enough. It was truly a trip of a lifetime. Yeah. And if you want, if you already have it booked or you want sort of tips on when to go 
what to do. We love to talk about these yeah. trips. And we learned a lot. Yeah. So reach out to us as well. We are always happy to talk about the trips we've been on and the places we've experienced. It's it's pretty fun. Yeah. We always love reliving it. Yes, absolutely. Um, for another day, I did not tell the story of my biggest GT caught on a stove. So we'll just bookmark that one for a future episode. I want to get back into that one for, yeah, next time. Absolutely. Cheers. All right. See you.